Tonight's Bible reading is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. This can be found on page 1188 of the Church Bibles. The coming of the Lord. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Coming up to Christmas, isn't it? Some of you were out this afternoon handing out the leaflets for the open-air services that people are invited to. What is it that we're inviting people to celebrate at Christmas? What do we celebrate at Christmas? How do you tell somebody the gospel story? Where do you start? And today we look at where do you end? Have you ever thought about the question, what is the gospel? See, our culture teaches us that life is all about being the best person that you can be, having the right values. Respect, kindness, not being rude, not picking fights or stealing things. The rules that will mean that you won't be cancelled by society. Be yourself, be your authentic self, as long as you don't offend anybody. So when we talk about Jesus and we tell people the good news of Jesus, most people think it's just another way of saying, oh, I just need to live my best life. Is that what you're saying? Be respectful, be nice, be good, be loving. And the trouble is, they think that, well, they can do that anyway. I don't need to be religious to do that. And if that's what you think life is all about, then I've got good news for you. Because Jesus is prepared to forgive you. And you know there are things in your life that need forgiving. And that isn't the way that our cancel culture operates, is it? Often it's anything but forgiving. Step on someone's toes, use the wrong words, or express an opinion that is deemed unacceptable, and you're in trouble. Excluded, unfriended, unloved, cancelled. You might have to resign from your job in disgrace. Well, the good news of Jesus is much better than that. And we need to find ways of expressing it that people can understand. So how do you explain the good news of Jesus? We're not used to hearing very much good news, are we? Our media is not big on good news. 
They're delighted if they can find a hero who's dived into a pond to save a toddler. Or even better, someone with a terminal illness who runs marathons to raise money for a good cause. That's the gospel according to our society's creed, to be the best person, the most authentic person that you can be. But that's not the Christian gospel. Well, looking at our passage, in order for us to understand the problem that Paul was addressing in his letter to the Thessalonian church, we need to know the gospel that Paul was telling them. It wasn't a list of rules and regulations to help you live your best life, but a story. A story of how God invites us to join his family. It's God's great story. We have it in 66 books of the Bible. In book one, Genesis, we hear where the story starts. In the beginning, God. Many people don't start there. In the beginning, God. And at the centre of our story, well, we know it's the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. But where does the story end? The final book of the Bible, Revelation, ends with these words of Jesus. Yes, I'm coming soon. And the response is given, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. That's how the Bible ends. The last sentence of the Bible is a kind of summary of God's story. The grace, the undeserved mercy and extravagant love of the Lord of all, our Lord Jesus, is to be with his people, God's people, the followers of Jesus, forever. And the story ends on that happy note. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. You see, the story didn't end at the cross. It didn't end at Jesus rising from the dead. It didn't end with Jesus ascending into the clouds of the sky. It didn't end with the Holy Spirit being poured out on those first believers at the Feast of Pentecost. In fact, the story hasn't ended yet. We are still in the story. The gospel is a living story, and we're all part of it. If we trusted Jesus with our lives, then here's the good news for followers of Jesus today. The best is yet to come. Jesus often spoke about his return. Matthew 24, verse 44. So you must also be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. John 14, verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. And when Jesus ascended in the clouds into heaven from the Mount of Olives, two angels told the disciples about his return. Acts 1 verse 11. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. 
Now, it seems strange to me. People don't seem to talk very much about the second coming of Jesus. When I was a teenager, it was the subject of Christian pop songs. Young people would go around wearing T-shirts with Maranatha, Come Lord Jesus, printed on them. Have any of you got those T-shirts? I might have had one years ago, but I haven't got one now. I don't wear it. I wonder what's changed. Maybe we've become more secular. That's what the census tells us this week. We don't like to talk about life after death. We don't want to think about what happens when you die. Even in church circles, believers are so busy trying to live their best lives today that they've forgotten about tomorrow, the glorious future awaiting us. The more we're caught up with enjoying the good things of this life, the more we neglect the genuine Christian fellowship and a personal relationship with the Lord, the less we will long for his return. On the other hand, those who are struggling with persecution or famine or floods in other countries, and any who are near the end of their earthly lives, and those whose daily walk with Jesus is more vital and deep, well, they are longing to meet with Jesus and to be with him at his return. And the church in Thessalonica were eager to meet their Lord. These believers knew the full gospel story. They knew where it started and they knew what happens next. They were expecting Jesus to return at any moment. They knew the good news that God had come down to earth in the person of Jesus. Born to Mary in Bethlehem. And that he had dealt with their biggest problem, the problem of sin when he died on the cross, on a hill outside Jerusalem. And that he'd risen from the dead to conquer death. And then he'd gone back to the Father in heaven. And the church had been launched by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they were part of that growing church. But they knew that wasn't where their story ends. Jesus was coming back. And they were all eager to meet him face to face, to thank him for saving them, to see his nail-pierced hands and be greeted with his warm smile. But the trouble was Jesus hadn't returned before some of their congregation had died. And they were worried that these loved ones were going to miss out on the greatest celebration that the world has ever seen. So Paul comforts them with his teaching on what happens when believers die. So I finally got there. We're now back in the passage. Verse 13. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Paul is talking about Christians who've died. But he uses the term fallen asleep 
to show that death for Christians is a perfectly normal thing. Just as you go to sleep every night and wake up in the morning ready for action, eventually anyway, so too those of us who have already died, those people who have already died, will be ready for action when Jesus returns. And he highlights the difference between a funeral for someone who died in Christ and the rest of men. We don't grieve like the rest of men because we have this great Christian hope, the certainty of life with Jesus on this earth when he returns. Some of you might not have been to many funerals. But if you had, you'll know there's a huge difference between the sense of loss where the family don't know what will happen to their loved one who has died and the certain hope that Christians have that death is the way that we go to meet Jesus. Grief is natural for the sense of loss for the family and friends of the one who's died. But when you know someone has died in Christ, you know that they're better off than we who are left behind. So Paul encourages the Thessalonians that those who have died are already in a better place than them. And that's not all. Paul has heard something from the Lord himself. There's a double benefit to dying before the second coming happens. Not only will you be with the Lord in heaven, but you will get there first. Verse 15, according to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Here's the news. When Jesus returns, he will bring along with him all those who have already been enjoying his presence in heaven. They get the best seats. And the rest of us will have to catch up with the proceedings as we join in the loud celebration. Now, if you're struggling with this event, trying to picture it, Then notice that in verse 18, Paul tells the Thessalonians, this news is written as an encouragement. They don't have to worry about those who've died in Christ, that they're going to miss out. They'll have the best seats. And all the other followers of Jesus who are still alive will meet him on that day and will remain with him forever. So who would you rather be? Christian who's died and comes back with Jesus on the clouds or a Christian who is caught up from earth to join them in the sky. Maybe it all seems a bit much to think about. This celebration will be the start of our never-ending life under Jesus' rule. And you can be sure of one thing, it won't be boring Any way you read the book of Revelation, you'll find that the future is going to be thrilling, full of wonderful things that will demonstrate that Jesus 
is the righteous judge of the world. And it will be a totally secure future for believers in Christ. So have you got your good news story clear when you're telling people about the life that they can know with Jesus? Do you talk about what life will be like with Jesus for all eternity? You know, the death and resurrection of Jesus is written about something like 300 times in the Bible. So it's clearly the central truth of the Bible. Throughout the Bible, the story of Jesus coming to die for our sins is the central truth. But how many times would you estimate the Bible mentions the second coming? The answer might surprise you. It's about 300 times. So when we tell people the good news story, let's not leave out the parts that we find hard to comprehend. When the Bible, and in particular the words of Jesus himself, teach us what to expect in the future. Now we might choose to start our story of God's redemption with Genesis. In the beginning, God. And you surely wouldn't want to leave out the bit where Mary and Joseph have Jesus born. You will, of course, speak about a cross on a hill where the saviour of the world deals once and for all with the problems of our sin and rebellion. But don't forget that the story doesn't end when Jesus dies. It doesn't end when we die. Or as Paul puts it, when we fall asleep. There's a great celebration coming when Jesus returns to this earth. And the dead in Christ will be there with Jesus before those of us who are still alive on earth get our resurrection bodies and get to join them. But if you find the whole thing too difficult to get your head around, I don't think Paul intended to scare believers. He just wants the church to know something about the next great event in history. There are scary things ahead for the world. And it's not all about climate change and global nuclear destruction. Some of the things we need to think about are mentioned in the passage that we're going to look at next week. But remember, there is no fear in this future for all those who put their trust in Jesus. Verse 17, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is the good news. This is great news for all who know Jesus as their Saviour and Lord. Because whatever else happens, you're safe in the hands of the one who will judge the world with perfect justice after he returns, with all those who've fallen asleep in him. Jesus says, yes, I'm coming soon. And the Lord's people respond, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the 
great news. Thank you for coming to this earth to take our sin away when you died on the cross. Thank you for all that you've done in our lives so far to show us who you are and to change us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We know there are many things in our futures that we don't, we don't know that we're quite ready for yet. Please help us to trust you for each new day, each precious day that you grant to us. And please teach us how we are to look forward to that great day when you return to earth. You tell us that, yes, I am coming soon. And Lord, we want to be able to respond to you. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Please help us with this because we need you to change us. We need you to make us ready, Lord. Amen.